Hello and welcome back to season three of Bo My God. I'm your host, Bo Bradley. My pronouns are he, him, and they, them. For those of you who are joining us for the first time today, Bo My God is a unique insight into queer culture, history, and current events centered around the perspective of me, a non-binary trans man. Through the sharing of fact-based information and firsthand vulnerable lived experiences, BMG aims to build community, amplify the voices of others, and ultimately bridge the gap between the cisgender, heterosexual, and LGBTQIA communities. Before we get down to it, I want to recap last episode for you. Last time on episode 42, Unwelcomed and Othered, with special guest and one of my college roommates, Eric Wojciechowski, we sat down and had a fantastic conversation about when we met back in 2010 and when we were both closeted trans folks and I was a closeted queer in general. And so we kind of talked about how we've grown into our own gender and sexuality since then, what it was like for Eric to live with his parents in the beginning of college and how we both credit getting through those two years in Berks County, Pennsylvania together. You can also learn about how Eric is riding in the 2023 AIDS life cycle ride. There's a link to donate in this episode information or also in last episode where you can hear even more about it and stay tuned because eric will be back for another episode later this season so please check out season three episode 13 if you haven't already it's a really great highlight of trans joy and growth and also it's just a lot of fun let me take this moment to ask you to subscribe rate us on your favorite podcast platform follow us on social media at bow my god pod and on youtube This podcast is all about education, community, and visibility, so we need your help to continue to share this platform with your friends, peers, family, and allies, and really with anyone who you think could benefit. So let's jump into it. Today, we are going to start out with I is for intersex as a part of the queer alphabet. This portion of the podcast is a spinoff of our social media education campaign from back in 2020 with the same exact name. This series breaks down LGBTQIA plus terms and concepts in a way that all people can listen and understand. This season, we've been going through the acronym we just mentioned, and so far we have talked about how L is for lesbian, G is for gay, B is for bisexual, T is for transgender, and most recently, how Q is for queer and questioning. So this means that today, we're moving on to I is for intersex. So if I is for intersex, what is intersex? It is a generalized term or an umbrella term used to encompass a variety of conditions in which people were born with, whether reproductive, genetic, and or sexual anatomy do not align with the binary view of male and female. There are many different examples of how this can present. One is that someone might have what appears to be external male genitalia, but internal female genitalia vice versa. It can be a a difference in chromosomes. There's there's many, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a moment. So according to the Oxford English Dictionary, the word intersex emerged, albeit rarely, in the 1800s, and then mainly referred to relations between sexes, versus in 1917, when German scientist Richard Goldschmidt used the term kind of in a way that it meant today to explain a variance in binary sexes. 
So the term was constantly stigmatized in general society and the medical community until the 1970s, which is when activists and the intersex community members began reclaiming the term as more of an identity versus as a diagnosis. And I want to point out that we have talked many times about the LGBTQIA plus acronym in the queer community and how it is kind of a collaboration of people who have diverse gender and sexual identities or one or the other. And so intersex is a, is a little bit different. And I'm going to say this part again, because I think it's really important. Someone who is intersex was born this way. And some people are identified as intersex at birth. Some people find out throughout childhood or puberty. Some don't find out into adulthood until they go to bear children or reproduce another generation. And, and some people, quite frankly, may never know. And so doctors use various somewhat subjective measures to decide if someone is intersex, including measuring anatomy to classify specifically if parts could be labeled one or the other. An example is if is using an actual ruler to measure if an external external anatomy is a clitoris or a penis. And so there's different anomalies in sex chromosomes, which are not as binary as we once believed. And this goes back to what we learned in school about XX versus XY chromosomes and how that's just not necessarily the case in actuality. So specifically to that point, according to the Intersex, Intersex Society of North America, one in about 1,600 births is someone whose chromosomes are not XX or XY. That's one in every 1,600 births that that XX, XY is not generally the case. And one in 1,000 births has Kleinfelder syndrome or XXY chromosomes, which we talked about in season one of Oh My God with guest Lizzie talking about, sorry, we exist in the SRY gene. So on the other hand, there are also doctors that don't even consider you to be intersex unless there's some sort of atypical other development in the brain or elsewhere. So there's many ways that someone can be intersex. And some people, again, have genitals or internal sex organs that fall outside of that male-female category. This could be someone who has both ovarian and testicular tissues or otherwise. Other intersex people have a combination of chromosomes like we just talked about. So these are some of the common occurrences. And how often does this occur? How many people are intersex? Well, the occurrence of people who are intersex is found in one out of every 100 births. And so this is 1.7% of people. And 1.7% sounds like not that many, but that's actually, matter of fact, the exact prevalence of folks being born with red hair or also the prevalence of people birthing twins. And so this 1.7% of births is about 1.4% more probable to happen than the chance of having identical twins. So this is prevalent and it's it's all around you, whether you realize it or not. I'm sure you can picture a few people at least that have red hair or twins that you know, or even identical twins. And so it's it's really important. And to align even further why awareness is really important when it comes to intersex folks, one or two out of every 1,000 births, an infant receives surgery to normalize their genitalia to a binary standard. Oftentimes, again, these are subjective guesses on which gender the infant will be normalized to, sometimes falling into the parental preference or whatever the external genitalia is versus what is inside. And 
A 2016 report in the Journal of Pediatric Urology found that 35 out of 37 parents of intersex children had opted for cosmetic surgery on their children. Now, these surgeries are happening right to infants. So they're violating basic human right principles of informed consent and bodily autonomy and self-determination and and are considered under the umbrella of genital mutilation. And so it's very important that we continue to talk about people that are intersex and raise the platform for people who are intersex to talk about themselves and their experiences and how important it is for them to categorize their own identity and their own gender versus having someone arbitrarily pick that within hours, days, or weeks of their birth. So we said we would come back to this and there are at least 18 conditions that fall under the intersex umbrella. And I'm going to name a few of them. This is not exclusive. And this list includes 5-alpha reductase deficiency, an androgen insensitivity syndrome or AIS, a failure, congenital adrenal hyperplasia, gonadal digenesis, hypospadias, Sawyer syndrome, Turner syndrome, and many, many more. And so how does a person know if they're intersex? Besides the things we've kind of discussed already, these external abnormalities or going and getting an MRI or having some sort of scan done where you realize your internal genitalia or, excuse me, your internal anatomy is not the same as your external. So I'm going to just list out some of the most common ways for a person to notice. And one is at birth, when another person sees the genital differences and points them out. Another one is at puberty, when changes happen and Changes become either too early or in unexpected ways or don't come at all. And that raises a flag with a pediatrician or a parent. In adulthood, it could happen with infertility or other problems when it comes to reproduction or just sexual reproductive health in general. And uh, the fourth most common way, which this shakes me a little bit, also imparts why this is so important, is that The fourth most common ways that people realize their body is different is in adulthood when they learned that when they were an infant, their parents or other guardians or adults covered up their childhood medical interventions. So some of these people don't even realize that this has been happening. And when they do, a lot of them live with the shame and stigma of being different, especially because it has to do with genitals and reproductive anatomy. So where does this bring us to today? And in the U.S., at least five states have seen bills that prohibit infant intersex surgery, but none have passed. That leaves 45 states that have not even acknowledged the harm and human rights violations surrounding intersex folks. So through the early 2000s, more and more intersex folks began to gain visibility through the media and publishing of books. And this was sparked in part by Oprah sharing a book on her book list called inter- called Middlesex, which was a fictional book on intersex people by Jeffrey Eugenides. And also people that are intersex have been featured on medical shows such as Grey's Anatomy. So examples of people who are intersex that you can go and find on social media or learn more about online include model activist and filmmaker River Gallo, activist Sean Safa Wall, award-winning published writer and author Pigeon Bagonis, and two-time Olympic medalist and South African distance runner, Castor Semina. So this brings us to if you have a child who is intersex, what should you do? The best way you can support them is to love who they are as they are and allow them to explain their gender identity to you as they grow. 
ensure that they have connections with other intersex folks and feel your support. A reference on where to start looking for more information could either be in the comments and notes sections of this episode, or you can look up Interact, which is interactadvocates.org. They have a whole section on resources and different organizations across the globe that help folks who are intersex. So now we are going to switch into our next segment of the podcast, which is entitled Bow Briefs. This segment is dedicated to updating listeners on me and what's going on in my life and with my transition and with the podcast in general. So today specifically, we're going to be reflecting on my trip back to Penn State last week for homecoming. I want to touch on this for a couple of reasons. First, because last week when we talked with Eric about Penn State Berks and and what it was like for me to go back to main campus, which is also known as University Park, uh, in case those have been used interchangeably for clarification. And I feel like maybe I didn't get my my full feelings out. And while I stand by what I said in the last episode, I, I think going back really helped me put a lot into perspective. And I would like to touch on that. And Another reason is because I had such a great time and I would love to share with you all why I went back and what I learned and how that experience went for me because it was a big deal and I'm really excited about it. And also because it was very healing for me. And I think that that's something, there's something to be said in that. So also, (laughs) also because I know I am by far not the only person here listening to this episode that has left home or moved away from where they grew up or went to college. And so there's a lot of people that can relate to this on some level, I believe. And I think that that might be helpful or fascinating maybe to someone else. So like I was saying, last week I went back to my alma mater, Penn State, for homecoming because I was a part of the 2022 Penn State Alumni Homecoming Court. And every year, there are four alumni that are selected to be honored during homecoming week across various events. And I was blessed with that opportunity and privilege this year. And to give you a little background, in case you didn't listen to our last episode, I am a two-time graduate of Penn State. I attended Penn State Berks for two years, then went on to main campus for two years, and then later received my master's through Penn State World Campus, which is their online school. So... In undergrad, I knew I was queer in sexuality only and was closeted at the time for many reasons, partially closeted to myself also. I just really didn't understand what I was feeling. And so I was kind of this not very happy, tired, overachieving, burnout human just being diagnosed with mental health issues. And then later when I attended World Campus, I was part of a small cohort and didn't really have much interaction with other students, even though at this point I was realizing I was non-binary. So I feel a little bit disconnected from my identity with that experience as well. So needless to say, heading back to campus to be publicly recognized was a little intimidating. It ended up being fantastic. And I am most of the time, 100% open and transparent about my identity and how I feel and who I am. And so I, of course, included that in my in my biography that I submitted with my photo for all of this. And I, I don't know, I guess it's, I feel fortunate that at the very first event of the week, which was a, a court reception where the homecoming committee introduced and recognized all of the various courts, there were a few different courts. There was the alumni court, like I mentioned, that I was a part of. There was a student court. This is the general homecoming court. Um, 
there's a graduate and professional school court, and then a university court, which had faculty and staff that I thought was pretty cool as well. And so at this event, they read all of our biographies out loud and talked about all of the people being honored on the courts. And so the very first thing after everyone sitting in this room with me sees my picture on the screen, I'm introduced as Bo Bradley, whose pronouns are he, they, and who is a non-binary, transmasculine, et cetera, et cetera. And for a moment, I was like, oh, I'm now out to every person in this room. And to be totally honest with you, going back to Pennsylvania or areas that, especially like in the middle of nowhere, like state colleges, it, it, it's not always as progressive or as comfortable as where I live. And so I don't always feel welcome or safe and I wasn't sure. And I had never been fully myself in that space before. So no one skipped a beat. It was very normal. There were many other gender diverse people in that room and members of other courts as well, which was actually really cool and amazing to see. But that was definitely a moment of, oh no, here we go. And it all worked out. We got to be in the parade and go on the field for a faculty student baseball game. It was a lot more as well. There was some great food. I got to eat hoagies. Shout out to all the people from Eastern PA or the East Coast that really love hoagies because no one out here says hoagies. And I just really appreciated how many there were. So we got to go to Chumley's, got to see my best friend who I met right there in State College and to have Rose there with me as well. Now that Rose is also an alumni of World Campus. So it was really great to see the students also and what they're doing and how impressive they all are. There's folks on these panels that have started their own nonprofits who have created uh resources on campus for various different groups and it's just it's so impressive to see everything they've done when they're still in college and to be here like 31 and still figuring out what I'm doing with my life because I've changed my profession like 300 times because I keep just learning and growing and I like change <laughs> so anyways I it felt really great to go back. And I know sometimes it feels scary or intimidating to do these things, especially as yourself when you were never able to do that before or in that space. But as long as it is safe, I highly recommend that you and affordable and practical and reasonable. I highly recommend that you uh, take that step and go to a place that you maybe didn't get to be yourself and go as you now, because I I think it was very healing for me to be so easily correctly gendered and recognized by every person I walked into and just feel so comfortable in my own skin. And so that being said, we went back to Pennsylvania twice within the past two or three months. And that probably checks that box off for us for a few more years to come. Love our Pennsylvania family and friends, but it isn't necessarily a place that either of us are particularly drawn to otherwise. It, it's beautiful. It was beautiful to see everything in all the fall colors and it's fun to visit. But um, yeah, so I just wanted to update you on that. And with that, we're going to move into today's affirmation. So as you know, we will be ending every show with an affirmation because we often as queer folks and humans in general do not give ourselves the chance to feel our full potential, feel empowered and feel like we're quite enough. So you are, and I am here to remind you, and I will keep reminding you every two weeks. 
So today's BMG affirmation goes like this, and please repeat after me. I was born to be me and only me. I am not defined by my past. It is within my power to create my safe space. All right, one more time. I was born to be me and only me. I am not defined by my past. It is within my power to create my safe space. Well, that's it for this episode of Oh My God. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and follow along for more of your favorite queer and trans content. We're on most social platforms at Oh My God Pod or check us out at www.bowmygod.com. Thank you. Love you. Catch you next time. Oh.